0: You know, worship is such a, a strange mix of different things because it's not just music, it's not just singing, it's our lives. Hopefully we all understand that, but that, that deepness of actually everything in my life belongs to God, not just my singing, obviously. Um, <laughs> thank goodness it belongs to him sometimes because no one else wants it. Um, but it's, it's like if we allow ourselves like in a gathering like this, to get this gathering of his church... Um, to just enter into that place, it becomes a powerful prayer. Can you imagine, like, as you're singing that song, you know, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come flood this place for the atmosphere. And then the New Testament does say that when we're together, although his spirit dwells within us, it does also say that when we come together, his spirit dwells with us corporately as well. It's not just the one or the other. It's not just the Holy Spirit only lives in me. Of course, he's still everywhere in this world because the only way that anyone who is not saved can really understand that God loves them so much and he, he sent his son Jesus to die for them is because the Holy Spirit reveals it to them. And churches, we praise and worship. It's not really all about us. We know that. Like, you know, how often people will say, you know, it's not about, you know, me, me, me. And of course it's not, but there is a, there is a time when we're saying, God, you've given me this and I thank you for it there's times where we um, so they're sort of like songs of thanks and praise you know there's nothing wrong with that you know sometimes people get caught up in that that thing of oh you know but there's too much me in it but but isn't that what God wants he says that we're meant to ask for what we need so that he can give it to us sounds so selfish even in the Lord's prayer doesn't it say give us today our daily bread so we sometimes get caught up in the selfishness oh no but we can't be so selfish come on God is not limited. He's got so much for us. And, and when we cry out to him, that's like a God, give me the things that I need to worship you better, to have you more holy in my life, to know you more. Give me those things. And, and so we have those sorts of praise and worship songs, what we call it. I guess they're not really worship, but they're a song of thanks and gratitude and, and actually petition asking God. And as we sing that song at the end there, you know, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Flood this place. We want him here, don't we? Can it be a prayer, God, just envelop this place? Just thinking back, you know, where it talks about when that temple was dedicated in the Old Testament, how the presence of God was just so thick that the priests couldn't even stand up. That's just beautiful, isn't it? And thinking that we take part in that welcoming God because without us being engaged with God, he doesn't come. Why? Because the Bible says where we're gathered together in what? What? his name where we're saying this is me to you god i'm here for you god i'm here in your name jesus and then it says and then he's he's just there in the midst of us he's he's walking around he's he's moving and and just touching people's hearts and lives and so these songs we sing you know and sometimes we can even get caught up in the oh yes but it's just a pattern so what don't you get up every day and go to work for the same number of hours and come home it's a pattern. Don't you eat dinner at night time every night? It's a pattern, but it means something. It's something you get, you're getting sustenance. And sometimes we can get so caught up even thinking that, you know, like, oh, you know, here we are, we've got three songs and communion and this, is, and that. Yeah, okay, good, it's good to change it up sometimes, but that's not even the point. The point is where's my heart in that? Where, where am I engaged in my worship of God when I come to church on a Sunday morning? or this gathering of the church. Where am I in that? You know, like, am I sitting back critically trying to work out the order of service and maybe we should do... Look, we're given a certain amount of time and yes, there is things we go through. I guess you could call it rituals, traditions. Whatever it is, in a way, we don't want to be stuck in something as a tradition, but something only becomes a tradition when it becomes unreal in your life. That's when it becomes a tradition because it's done without the heart engaged in what God wants. That's when it becomes a tradition, not because you do it at the same time every day. In fact, the Bible talks often about people and it says, you know, and they went to pray as was the usual time that they prayed. And God came and visited them. What? But they did it every day at the same time. Wasn't it just a tradition? Why did God turn up? Because they were engaged. Their heart was engaged with God it even talks about Jesus doing the same thing. As was his custom, he went to pray. As was his custom, he went to the temple, the synagogue. That was his custom. That's what he did all the time. But it was like I'm coming to my father's house, I'm coming into his presence. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. What is wrong is when we develop a wrong attitude towards God. That's what's wrong. When we take communion without our heart being engaged in what it is, that's what's wrong. And so God's God's pulling us this year, I know he's pulling us into freedom. As a church, to be free, and sometimes we think that because things are a certain way, we're not free. That is so rubbish. We are free because Christ died for us and set us free as Alison was doing communion this morning. Man, that was awesome. Just reading through Isaiah 53 and... I'd just say, go and read it and read it again. Just all the amazing things. You know, we thought it was what he'd done wrong. You know, he looked and thought, Jesus, he's been a rebel. But no, it says he died for me. It was my transgressions, it was my sin. He died to give me health, uh, the chastisement of my peace. In other words, my mental torment was taken on the cross. All those things done for us because Jesus is so amazing. And God is so amazing as a father that he loved the world so much he had to send his son. The only way that we can be reconciled to him. And he's just good, you know. He's just good. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for your goodness today. Lord, you are incredible. You are a God who never fails. You never give up on us. Your your love is always towards us. Lord, no matter what we've done and how unfaithful we've been, you're a faithful God. And you give us every good and every perfect gift. Lord, this morning I just pray your Holy Spirit just touch us again. Love on us this morning, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I don't know if you remember, we started a a few weeks ago looking at moving from slavery to success. Okay, so there's some different steps that we need to do it. And slavery is what we were looking at just a little bit the first time and we're going to go and look at it in terms of what happened in Exodus, which is um, the second book in the Bible, which is a story of how the Israelites came out of Egypt. Now, crazily enough, they went into Egypt not as slaves but as friends because Joseph, who um, was there and he was an Israelite, was raised to the second in charge in Egypt and there was a famine in all of the world basically in Egypt had stored up grain because Joseph had interpreted some dreams of Pharaoh. And so they'd stored up grain and everyone sort of came to them because that was the breadbasket of the world at the time. So they entered in as guests in the land. In fact, it was welcome because Joseph just loved his father and brothers and family and wanted them there, even though they'd done him wrong. But as time went by, they became settled in a place that they didn't actually own and where God did not promise them. So God's promise was to Abraham that I will take you to this land of promise and I will set you up and, and from you the whole world will be blessed. From your seed which is Jesus Christ the whole world will be blessed and I'm leading you to that land and, and what had happened is that they come out and left the land of promise. So what I really wanted to sort of challenge us about today, and it could be maybe you've never even known God, maybe you've never given your life to him, maybe you've never said, Jesus, I understand that you have freed me from sin. The first and worst part of slavery that you can ever have is that without Jesus Christ, we are slaves to sin. He has set us free from sin, the number one thing that he's done for us. But Even as people who belong to Christ, we can still live a life that is not actually free. We're bound by different things, we're bound by circumstance, we're bound by situation or we're just bound by our bad thinking and bad words and we can't seem to get free. So what I'm hoping is that over the next whatever time it takes that we'll look at that, how do I actually get free? How do I become this person of significance? where I moved from slavery to survival to success to significance in my life. And maybe, hopefully, you might just move from slavery to significance. But you will notice in different areas of your life you have different victories, I guess you'd say. So in my life, what I've found is that there's some areas where I've entered into this day, which is the day after Joshua of rest. This is a day of significance where I just know that I can rest in God and his completed work in that area. I don't even really need faith as what we would consider faith anymore because I'm actually living in it. It's just a rest of, yeah, God's in this. I just trust him so completely and fully that, that now the yoke of this is gone from my life. And so today I just wanted to look at who is God to you? Who is God to you? Because until you know his name, you can never get free of where you are because you are so wrapped up in that circumstance or the name that is controlling you. What is that name? Is it sickness? Is it anxiety? Is it worry about your family? Is it worry about provision from God? Whatever area that it is, Do you know his name in that area? I just wanted to read from Exodus 3 first of all. So in Exodus chapter 3. And as I go through this story, we're just really looking at who God says he is to Moses. So I won't be reading it all. Moses was out in the wilderness he left Egypt because he'd killed an Egyptian and he ran away because, because people were after him basically so he's out in the desert he'd married someone um, and he was out looking after sheep and what happened was there was a burning bush he came and had a look, he's like what's going on here? the bush is burning but it doesn't get consumed so what does that mean? that means that it's on fire but it actually the fire never goes out it just keeps burning and the bush is still there So he'd gone up to look and see, and and out of that bush, God spoke to him. And as it went on, God was saying to him and challenging him, hey, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go back to Egypt. I want to set my people free from what? Slavery. I want to set them free from slavery. And, of course, Moses was protesting against it because he wasn't that good at speaking, so he said. He wasn't that smart, yet he'd been raised in the courts of Pharaoh, taught with the best teachers. He knew their ways and everything like that. But he'd lost his confidence. Christians, we can lose our confidence in Christ when we forget who he is. We can forget what he's done. We can forget how he's worked in our life before. And even in one area of our life where we've had victory before, we can fall back into a place where we are not trusting him. We forget who he is. So in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, But Moses protested. Who is he protesting to? God. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? So obviously what has happened is over time, they've... they've, born from this place of guests, forgetting about the promise of God, the land that he's promised them, and they've actually even forgotten his name. So Moses is going, well, who will I tell them has sent me? What does God say? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am, I am, not I am, has sent, that's Dean down the back? Has sent me to you. And this is a really big thing to think about. Now we know that I am could mean I'm always okay. God is from the beginning to the end. He he didn't actually have a beginning. He's always been. He's always existed. So it could be yeah. I'm just here. But I want to challenge you in this way. That name I am is so open ended, isn't it? Who's the answer to my depression? I am. Who's the answer to my sickness? I am. Who's the answer to me feeling so troubled and having a bad marriage? I am. You see, God actually puts his hand up to every question you ask of who will deliver me? Who can do it? God. Why? Because he's the answer. Who's the answer? I am. But just because he's the answer doesn't mean we walk out of slavery. It doesn't mean that in that area of our life we are set free, but it is the first thing we need to do is start to go, who is my answer? Because we can forget so easily that he is. He is the answer. And we will try to start to do things our own way in our own strength to try and break free from something that only God can set us free from. Because who is he? He's the I am. And what will happen is he begins to reveal himself to you in those situations. And the problem is that as you are trying to get free, as you start to look to God, slavery just decides to get a little bit harder. You're looking to him. You're saying, God, now I understand. You're the answer. You're the I am. And God revealed himself to the the people of Israel at different times in different ways as who he was. Because who do you say that I am, is what Jesus said. How do you know me? What do you know me as? What is that relationship you have with me? God was revealed as Jehovah Jireh to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. Jehovah Jireh means you are God, my provider. This is when he took his son, Isaac, up the hill and he was going to sacrifice him to God. It was never going to happen because Abraham knew what God would do. He said, God, you are my provider. You are going to give me the way out of here. You are going to give me the things that I need. God is the I am, the provider, Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Shalom, He is peace. And that's in Judges where God appeared to Gideon and Gideon was worried about the future and what God was going to do. And then God revealed himself to him as peace. I am God, your peace. Do you need that God today? Do you need the I am that is peace? Because that is his name in that situation. You are God, my peace. If I come to you in this situation, I can get peace. If I live for you, if I start to follow you, I can step out of slavery in this area, but first I need to know your name. Here's Jehovah Sidkeno. And this is referring to Christ. He is our Righteousness. God is our righteousness, and those of us who who feel trapped by sin and the power of sin in our life, especially if you've never, ever turned to God, He is your righteousness. Jesus Christ died for you on a cross and took your sin. He took your place, as was read this morning. He is the one who made you right with God. He is your righteousness. This is a gift from Him. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals us. God is God, the healer. If you're sick, that's what you need. You need him to heal you. And so God reveals himself to us in so many different ways, but the first thing we need to understand is that God is the deliverer. He's the one who wants to get you out. He is the one who gave you the way out and he continues to give you the way out in every single area of your life. And then we turn to Christ. Because, you see, we're living in this new covenant where where we're now joined with Christ. Those of us who are Christians that are still slaves in different areas of our lives, there are some things that we can do to get out, which we're going to begin to look at next week. What does the voice of a slave say? What does the voice of someone surviving say? What does the voice of someone who's living in success say? And what does the voice of someone who's living in significance say? Our words are powerful. We're going to look at that next week. Because as you look at those things, you can start to identify, in this area of my life, this is what I'm like. This is the words that I'm speaking that will show you so clearly, hey, I'm a slave here. They will show you so clearly if you're living in just success, they will show you if you have moved to significance. Who did Jesus say he was? And this is where we get Jesus is God. This is where he's beginning to reveal himself, and it's in John. So throughout the Gospel of John, this is some of the things that Jesus said about himself for us. First of all, he reveals himself as the God who always was. He was with God. He came from God. He did come down from heaven. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. What's he saying? He's the same as Jehovah. He's in that position. I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Let's listen to what he said. Um, If you want the verses, I suppose I could put them in there, but just come up to me afterwards. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus said, I am this for you. I am the bread of life. Do you need sustenance? Do you need provision? I'm the bread of life. I'm the one who gives you strength. Are you thirsty? Do you feel like you're going through a desert in your life? Are you just crying and hungering out for something good? Jesus said, come, I'm the water as well. Come and drink of me. Jesus said, I am the lights of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. Jesus said, I am the light. If you follow him, you won't be living in darkness. Are you living in darkness now, wondering what your purpose is, wondering what the future is, wondering what God's call on your life is? Jesus said, I'm the light. Jesus said, I am the gate for the sheep. If you come through Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And you will find good pasture. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. So it's not even just on this earth, but afterwards Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and I am the life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And he said, I'm the true grapevine. My Father is the gardener. I just want to encourage you today that if you feel like you're trapped in an area of your life, find out who God is because he is the answer to that situation. And that is the first part of being free. The Bible says that those who come to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'll give you that scripture. That's in Hebrews chapter 11. Actually, I'll just give you that whole chapter because it's amazing. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Guys, it's time to start stepping up in faith. Do you actually really believe that God can save you? Do you believe that he is the answer to your problem? Because until you do that, you will never truly be free because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so I just want to say this morning that now is the time. Now is the time that you need to turn to him. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. There is no time to stay where you are. There is no time to be trapped. And can I tell you this? If you decide that you want to move forward, there will be a cost. If you decide to move forward, your slave master will make it more difficult for you. When Moses was talking to Pharaoh and and we talked about the bricks last time, it began that they started to say, you have to still meet your quota, but I tell you what, we're not getting straw for you. They'd increased the quota already and then they said, we're not getting straw, you have to do that as well. And in the end, the Israelites were so angry at Moses, they said, Moses, can you just stop trying to free us because it's just getting harder. Things are heating up. The devil's more on my case than ever before. My marriage is worse than it's ever been. My finances are most crippled that I've ever seen them in my life. My body is feeling worse than ever. Just shut up, Moses. Stop telling us that we can get free. Stop petitioning for us. Because it's just getting harder. But that's the way it is. You see, to break free of a slave trader is not an easy thing to do. It takes the power of God and somebody interceding for you as well break free sometimes so don't expect that every time it's just going to be easy because you will step out in faith and you'll say God I'm just believing for my marriage I'm going to start to get your word on my marriage and I'm actually going to try and change and as you're looking at the red sea before you and you're going I just got to get cross but my marriage seems to be worse I'm trying so hard but we're arguing more everything's happening wrong my kids are going berserk It's never easy to get free. Even with the power of God to break things in your life, there's changes that have to be made. There's things that you get challenged in. And if you are not willing to go through the pain of change in your life, then you will never be free. If you are not willing to put the Red Sea between you and Egypt, you will never move out of that place. But the good news is this, that God is with you. God is with you. As Moses stood before the Red Sea, the Egyptian army behind, the people said, Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? First of all, they were complaining that he'd even take them out and, and get Pharaoh to let them go. But then it was like, great, here we are out of Egypt, in the desert, the armies behind us, Red Sea before us, we're done for. Now God placed them exactly in the right place. And again, the whinging came up, just a little hint, that could be something of being a slave in terms of your words. Why have you brought us here? We're just all going to die. We could have died in Egypt but lived a good life of slavery then Moses gets before God and starts whinging as well. God, what are you doing? God said something really interesting to Moses. He said, Moses, stop your whinging. Stop praying and do something. Stop praying, move forward. And that's the challenge. It's never easy to move forward, is it? It requires us to start changing our language. Start acting on this faith of who is God. Start believing that way. That's the first step. Start believing in God. Start believing because if you're coming to him and you truly believe in God, you will believe that his words are true and right and the right way to live. So, this week, As you go out, even today as we we stand and sing this morning, I'd love it if you just start to roll around in your head, God, can you just show me where I am bound? And as we worship in this last set of songs, I want you to say, who's the answer to this problem? And I want to hear, we want to hear God saying back to us, I am me, I am, I'm the answer.